Back in the cell, Finch, a loud banging on your door occurs. An aggravating knock. You sit up slowly and straighten your back as you expect the guard to open the door and slam your food on the ground like usual. But this time, as the door opens up, you see Rokar leaning on his shoulder holding your tray of food. Rokar! Finch. Been a long time. It has. You've been busy? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. I can't say that I'm excited to be here under these circumstances. Yeah, I'm, I'm not excited to be here either, uh, but I, th- I think it's still good to see you. I can't help but look at the list of the charges being brought against you and see that while maybe your intentions were good, your actions weren't suitable for someone of your position. I will say going over these allegations and uh, reading over some of the things that have happened, I'm not totally proud of all the things I've done, but I can also tell you that not all of what is there is true and that in some cases I made judgment calls to do what I thought was in the best interest of Asus and uh, they weren't always easy decisions to make. But like torture? You know, that's uh, on the top of the list of regrets for me. Uh, There were probably better avenues, but at the time we were in the sewers pursuing um, a, I believe it was a black market that uh, was doing some pretty nasty things. And uh, again, not not, not super stoked about it, but it it happened. Uh, I would take it back if I could. I don't think we would have made it as far as we did in those uh, sewers if we hadn't, though. So, do you recognize that the torture you're speaking of is not listed as a charge against you in these indictments? The torture I'm referring to is a torture of a resident of Yin. You shot him in the ankle and then stepped on said ankle. Well, that person... from my vantage point, was trying to mug and then run away. Uh, I did not try to uh, kill him. Uh, I, From a distance, how, how, the only way I could stop him uh, for questioning was an arrow. Uh, and so I shot low, and luckily it was a non-lethal shot. Uh, it hit him in the ankle. Um, he was very difficult and resisting. Uh, I believe it was just me at first, so... Uh, I used the wound as leverage to get him to comply and to answer questions about this black market that I wanted to infiltrate and shut down. Sounds like you're dressing up torture in fancy word. And I hope you recognize that revealing that in this conversation makes my view on this whole situation all the more cloudy. Rokar, I'm not here to lie to you. I would hope not. So I'm going to tell you truths, and then some of them will hurt, some of them will be confusing, and some of them will shed light. I think the force that you utilize during that encounter seems excessive. The the mugging, as you pose it, I mean, did you see physical harm occur? Was it a simple robbery? Uh, I guess, I guess, from my vantage point, trying to look back now, I, I think it was probably more of a, a simple robbery. I, I don't think uh, there was a weapon involved. I understand that in the moment, sometimes it is hard to make the right decision, but I don't think that makes you free from guilt. So this will be very difficult. Yeah, 
This is uh, one of those outside looking in hindsight 2020 perspective post. Uh, I'm not happy about this one. Yeah. I, I condemn myself here. Well, given we went through our training together, I've always kind of hoped the best for you and the people that I shared that bond with. I don't want to see you in some situation that you can't recover from, but I just can't ignore the law as well. That's fair. It's totally fair. I would have the same opinions. Okay. Well, I thank you for your time. Hopefully you can enjoy this scrumptious meal I've brought you. I hope to see you again under better circumstances or under the same, really. It's, it's good to see you. It's good to see you too. Rokar steps out of the doorway after placing your tray on the ground and closes the door behind him. The four of you head over to the Temple of the Amalgam within the Crimson Hold. You walk up the stairs and to the double doors. You push them open and see an empty chapel. It's a rather large chapel, almost like a grand cathedral. There are stained glass windows, elegant wall decorations, paintings, murals, and sculptures. The only people you can see in the temple are clergy of different ranks. Towards the front, though, a gnome in priest garb speaks to a woman who is tending to some cleaning. He sees you walk in and quickly scurries down the center aisle to the four of you. You must be the defense that wishes to speak to me. I'm a very busy man, very busy. What is it that you wish to discuss? Uh, hello. Hi. <laughs> I believe you're the defense counsel for Captain Flynn Finch Cartwright. Uh, that is correct, yes. And you are Prime uh, Pruce? That's correct, I'm Prime Pruce. Named after Aaron Pruce, our Patreon supporter. Well, then you know what we're here to talk about. I know that you're here to talk about Captain Flynn Finch Cartwright. Uh, yeah, we're just here to discuss the 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 trial. We you know we're supposed to meet with all the the judges and sort of gather what how, you know, how you feeling. How you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you care. But you've been saying captain. I don't think I'm a captain. You are a captain. Oh, nice, cool. So <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a captain and a master scout. I thought yeah, they were. Your rank is captain. Uh, your thought... title is master scout. Okay. I'm sorry. What was the last thing you said? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, we just came to uh, discuss uh, the, the trial, some of the charges with you. We've already spoken with uh, Rokar and uh, Captain Gordston. 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 Captain Gertston. His name is Gordston. Right, yes. Him. Uh, and we were just uh, trying to see exactly what uh, your concerns with the indictment were. Well, there's several concerns. He seems to be quite the villain. Well, that's... I, I don't. I don't think that's quite accurate. And do you care to explain? Well, I, I mean, there's a lot of explaining we can do. We we plan to do all of that at the trial, but I mean, I, I just think 
Don't you think we're all being a little too hard on him? Hard? Guardian yeah. of Kristoff would be rolling over in his grave right now if we let this go. Well, would he? <laughs> <laughs> would he? <laughs> you mean rolling down a mountain in his grave? Excuse me? Oh, sorry. sorry. It's just a saying from Lathansis. <laughs> <laughs> well, l l let's let's try this. You tell me something that concerned you about the indictment, and I will defend it. Okay. Um. Let's see. There's the big one that seems to be just somewhat disregarded completely, in my opinion. But how can you just let the darkness of Mithron go? How can he just get rid of it? Had you ever been there? Of course. I am prime proof of the amalgam. Well, I'm just saying, like, as as a fellow person who had been within the darkness in Mithron, it was quite scary. And it was Hanet's land. Did you see the creatures that lurked in the darkness? Of course not. I couldn't see anything. It's dark. Well, we fought some of them. Yes, and they are certainly not creatures of Mithron. Not creatures of Asus at all. And would you say that killing deer in the forest of Asus is, is worth doing? Why would I do that? If it is the land of darkness and those animals are native to that land, then you desecrated not only a holy land, but you environmentally destroyed a habitat. First of all, I'll kill a deer if I'm hungry. You gotta eat. Second of all, what about before the darkness? Darkness wasn't always there. There was a whole civilization there. And then the equilibrium happened and Hanet claimed that land. And what if the people that live there? They're just supposed to suffer? Listen, I am the prime of the amalgam. I am the prime of this temple and I believe in all guardians. And yes, that is Hanet's holy land that you have desecrated. I would say that it, and that's not the entirety of the story. Uh, those creatures came from Grixolis through a portal, which we can ad assume happened during, during the Equilibrium, to where I guess some sort of pathway was opened through Velm to Grixolis and Mithron. And uh, based on what we saw there, those creatures do not belong. Well, I mean, I guess that could give reason to it. I would argue, actually, that... Darkness covering Mithron is a severe imbalance in Hanet's favor. And Finch and us accompanying him solved that imbalance. Hmm. I don't know how to think on that one. I can't say that that's truly something that we would consider holy, is that an imbalance with Hanet would be taking away his land. I mean, there's plenty of other pockets of darkness throughout Asus. A whole continent? And if you really want to get down to it, I was the one that got rid of the darkness. Excuse I, me? I personally did it, yes. Finch was just there. Why aren't you on trial then? I've been asking myself the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's neither here nor there, but regardless, uh, th the removal of the darkness was not Finch's doing. It was mine. Interesting. Though, if those creatures weren't creatures of Asus, I guess I could see why that's an imbalance of Asus in general. I personally suffered an injury as a result of these these abominations. A broken leg, broken clean through the bone. They had to carry me, me around in a wheelbarrow like a baby. <laughs> it was traumatizing. It's a giant crustacean like nothing you've ever seen before on Asus. It, it was scary. Isn't injury possible with adventuring though? Well, I mean, you run the risk, but I've never broken a, a limb before. 
I mean, sure, I've taken an arrow here or there, but this is life-threatening. Yes, if this tells you anything of how high the stakes were in Mithron and how dangerous it truly was in that darkness with all of these beasts from Grixolis. Beast of Grixolis, huh? Well, I guess I could see that side of things, but let's get down to the, the brass tacks here. What happened to these worshippers in the Temple of Daloon? That one seems a little... Fuck me for speaking up. <laughs> <laughs> that one seems a little suspicious that the last person seen leaving the area of the Temple of Daloon was, in fact, all of you. That is correct. We were there um, investigating a sickness that was plaguing their surrounding area. When we came across the temple and pe people in the towns spoke of a, a healing... Uh, yes, I believe there was an outbreak of uh, fickle pox. Fickle pox. That's what, a nasty one. That's what uh, they called it, and many of the townsfolk were uh, seeking uh, healing at the Temple of Daloon. You know, about 80 years ago, we had a uh, pandemic of fickle pox here in, in Gamor. Oh, you don't say. Yeah, but it didn't kill everyone. Well, the, the thing was, we went to investigate this church, you know, as we were you know, put off by this imbalance of plague. <laughs> and we had to see it for ourselves, this healing that everybody claimed was, was happening. And when we got there, it was, it was a lot. It was not what we expected at all. Um, they were actually killing people, massive numbers of people. So the, the temple clergy were the ones behind killing everyone. Uh, yes, when we were at the temple, uh, all of the the clergy men and women there were, were undead. And the, the priestess at the time was actually a wraith. A wraith? Yes, and they were they were taking advantage of the townsfolk and uh, claiming to cure them when they were actually just stealing their life force. Hmm. I, too, was a victim of this as well. <laughs> I was called to the altar, and like a fool, I went... <laughs> He's a victim a lot. And what happened when you went to this altar, Doris? There was an attempted healing. Explain attempted. Am I on trial now? <laughs> I, I just, I want you to testify and tell your story. You might be on trial. Okay, that, <laughs> I'm a celebrity. I don't just go on trial. <laughs> <laughs> we could never escape social commentary. Oh, no, dude. <laughs> but I, I mean... Things just got out of hand. I, I was just, I just wanted my ear back. And your ear back? Well, my, I had lost my ear, you know, it, adventuring. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I saw an opportunity here at, at this temple to receive some healing. And well, it looks like you got your ear back. So what does this healing have to do with? Yes, you did indeed get your ear back at the cost of the life of another person. It wasn't what I was expecting. And I feel. Excuse so me? The life of another person? Well, not the entire life. It's like... It was the entire life, right? Yeah. Yes. Drop it. So as Doroth was plunged into this magical basin that this wraith had drawn him to, and as he got his ear back, the life of a person in the temple was taken, hmm. which happened to hundreds, thousands, I don't know how many other people before we arrived. Yes, we can assume that the, the whole healing process was a ploy by the undead, led by the priestess Wraith. 
uh, to consume the life of the the unwilling victims of that town. So you're saying that the Temple of Daloon had succumbed to an imbalance of evil. Indeed. Oh, I hope you have some evidence to back that one up, because I don't know how that's going to go in trial. My ear! We have witnesses. One. (laughs) (laughs) I will wish to hear from this witness. Well, certainly. Now, I am very busy. I have one more thing I wish to talk to you about, and that is yet a lingering investigation that High Inquisitor Draskow has not yet concluded on. But this is the destruction of the Temple of Kristoff at the top of a mountain in Somar. Oh, well. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, don't see that one here. Ah, here it is. (laughs) (laughs) Which one is it? Ah. 17. Uh. 17. Oh, God. Another abomination to which I fell victim. (laughs) (laughs) Did y'all not defend him at all? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we can go there (laughs) We tried, he's just an easy target (laughs) We did everything we could The whole outskirts of the Universal Library had already been destroyed But we got there, or damaged, significantly So you're saying that this was, this temple that was destroyed Was destroyed before you got there? What was it? completely destroyed. It was destroyed in in the the chaos of the battle that we were taking part in at the top of the mountain. We already spoke with one of the judges about the destruction at the library and he was very surprised. He he did not know about one of the monsters that was terrorizing the surrounding area of the library. The one that killed all of the monks up there? I believe it was Captain Gordston. Or perhaps even the High Inquisitor. So are you saying that I just shrugged this off because somebody's already talked to you about it? No, I'm... (laughs) Not at all. Yes, the Universal Library was destroyed in the ensuing chaos from the battle that we had with... Uh, Construct? Some sort of construct. Collector? Yes, we've been uh, calling it the Collector. Do you want to know why we called it that? Why is it that you called it the Collector? Because it collected the bodies of all the monks up there and we're just shoving on the big spikes coming out of them. Well, that's kind of grotesque. Yes. yes. We also have reason to believe that this Collector had some part in the massacre here in Gamor because there were Crimson Command soldiers also collected, if you will. Interesting. So you're saying the Gamor incident that happened over a year ago, there was a monster from there that also was at the Universal Library not but a couple months ago. Yes, and and one of the prime culprits of the attack, uh, Velmir, is his name. Uh, the tiefling, if you are familiar, the one that held Finch at ransom for the orbs here in Gamor. This is news to me. Uh, is it? Yes, uh, he had Finch hostage and demanded the two orbs uh, here in Gamor for in exchange for his life. You see, I was caught in the darkness here in Gamor, so I don't know what happened outside of just hiding. Uh, well, the, the the perpetrator of that attack, Velmir, uh, held Finch at ransom, like I said, uh, in exchange for the orbs. That exchange was made, and he was also at the Universal Library uh, when we were there. That's who we were fighting. So you're saying that this Velmir is the one that also attacked the Universal Library? Correct. Uh, and he is also uh, working for Vorin in an attempt to free him. Vorin? Vorin can't be freed. Well, they're trying. That's why the, uh, he was attempting to gather the orbs in the first place. So are you saying that this adventure of yours is leading to stopping Vorin from returning? That is precisely what we are doing, yes. Hmm. I will need to pray on this one. Well, I think that's enough time with you today. Well, I'll see you at the trial. I believe you've probably got enough information from me, and I've got things to do. Well, thank you for your time. You're welcome. 
Wow. You piece of shit. <laughs> you went better than everybody else. Yeah, yeah I could have gone away worse. Like, I think we were doing pretty well up until the end. Got to pray on it? Yeah, do that. The four of you actually have to travel outside of the Crimson Hold for the next interview. Even outside the walls of Gamor, you head over to a vast cemetery, the one that was put in place to bury the dead after the attack on Gamor. You look up to the top of one of the hills and you see a funeral procession is now ending. A woman in Crimson Command garb walks down the hill and sees you standing and waiting. She approaches. My apologies for the meeting place. The most available time I had today was the carriage ride back to the Crimson Hold from this funeral. I had to speak for the ceremony. He was one of my men that died on the way back from our mission. Once we got the command to head back here from High Captain Gates. Uh, if you would, please join me in the carriage. Absolutely. We appreciate your time. The four of you follow her into the carriage and the carriage starts to move. I believe names will probably start us off well. Uh, yes, I'm Felony. Astrofereth. I'm Keth, the Giant Slayer, Champion of Yen. <clears throat> and my name, as you probably already know, is Dorth Babe Groman Kyle. I'm kind of a big deal. It's nice to meet you, Dorth. Likewise. My name's Vanguard Captain Tara Vane, named after Patreon supporter Terrence Ettinger. So, uh, I believe you had some questions for me. Yes, I was hoping that you would consider finding our friend Finch not guilty. Uh, all right. Um, I mean, that is part of the trial, I believe, is to consider that, but it's not looking good from what I can tell. What sticks out to you? Well, as a Vanguard captain, the one that I really am quite concerned about is the incidents that surround Ezra. We all just... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no one understands the intense pressure of fucking guarding the orbs. Uh, yeah, and that sticks, that sticks out to you, I assume, because... Uh, he, uh, the charge, I believe, is abandoning fellow command? Yes, I couldn't imagine doing such a thing with my soldiers. We rely on the scouts to go out there, handle their business, come back with information, and send us back. And part of the Crimson Command code is to not leave anyone behind, which is why I actually am dealing with this funeral today. We didn't leave him behind, and he died because of it, but we got his body back. And that is understandable. Um... Well, I, I believe, are you familiar with Finch's, I guess, mission to uh, obtain the four orbs? I'm not briefed on the details of it, but yes, um, I have heard that he is collecting the four orbs. Uh, yes, that was uh, the mission given to him. And also at the time of our encounter with Ezra, uh, there was the issue of all of the murders uh, of the Crimson Command. Which I'm sure you're also aware of. Quite aware. Finch did not abandon Ezra. While it is true that we encountered him one evening, we set up camp, and we put up magical protection for ourselves, which we hesitantly did not allow Ezra in. We did stay at camp with him. Uh, he was not allowed in the magical protection because Finch was wary, as we all were, uh, of potential inside people uh, inside threats we had been fooled before you see the whole incident with the crimson keep it just it really scarred us you know it was hard to know who to trust at the time uh, but we did keep camp with Ezro, and he uh, i guess felt endangered 
endangered in some sort of way and decided to leave on his own accord. So if you want to be, you know, if, if you want to look at this with some perspective, you could argue that he abandoned us. That's very true. And what happened after he abandoned us? Yes, that is count 16. We, we can't provide any protection to someone that is not traveling with us. He left on his own accord. We didn't tell him to leave. Based on his training, though, you understand, right? He had training as a scout that if he was in a situation where he was endangered, he was to keep moving at all times. Then that's on his training. That's not on us. Are you saying that the Crimson Command training is in question? I'm questioning why he was in, felt he was in danger. Well, we have reports of shadow assassins attacking Crimson Command on the road at Outpost. And if they're alone, stationary, would that not be more of a target than moving? But he wasn't alone. He was with us. You were inside a magical barrier. And he was three feet away just outside of it. And we had made plans that evening before we went to bed to travel together as long as possible. How would you know that he was in danger if you were inside a magical barrier? We can see outside of it. Yes, it's not a... We're not in another but dimension. But he can't see you. How Did you inform him of this? We did. I mean, look, you can't see us, but we're right here. So he was fully aware that if he was in danger, you could hear him, see him, and assist him if that danger was there. To the best of my knowledge, yes. And as I said, we made plans to travel together the next morning. Well, I do believe that he plans to speak at the trial, so I guess that will be part of the evidence. Will he speak of how we rescued him from a pit of spikes? I believe that's already part of the indictment, is that you did rescue him. But the question is why he was in that pit of spikes in the first place. But if we wanted to abandon him, we would have abandoned him then. We risked our lives to save him from the pack of gnolls. We had to stop our carriage in the middle of, of a firefight with these gnolls. Oh, the flashback! And pull him to safety. He was a victim of it. <laughs> well, unfortunately, he's not part of the Crimson Command for me to honestly care. I care about my soldiers, I care about my scouts, and I care about my vanguard. I want to look no at no one else. I want to look at her with the most heartbroken <laughs> look on my face. My duty and my oath is to my Crimson Command, and I had assumed that someone as high-ranking as Captain Flint Finch Cartwright, a master scout, would understand that. And he did. That's why we saved Ezra. That's why we risked ourselves. That's why Glenn Finch Cartwright risked his own life to save Ezra, fellow command member. I know it doesn't make me look good, but Finch had to convince us. He said, I'm not leaving this man behind. He's a brother. And yes, we came to a compromise, essentially. Hmm. Well, I guess I will say that it's going to be very heavy on his testimony, honestly. If Ezra can say that he was informed of this and that he just made a bad call, made a bad move as himself, and it's not Flynn's fault, then I will, I'll back that idea. That's all you can do. But if Ezra says that he was just straight up abandoned outside of this magical barrier, I, I can't really sway on this. Fair enough. The carriage begins to like get closer to the drawbridge of the Crimson Hold, and uh, the drawbridge is down right now for it to approach. And you can see outside the window that you are now back into like the inner courtyard, the front courtyard of the Crimson Hold. And she says, "Well, it was uh, nice meeting you. I do have to get back to my duties. Um, I hope, honestly, that I hope that it all works out for him. But I don't know how you're going to sway some of these judges. 
Well, we'll certainly do our best. Thank you for your time. She opens the door and starts to exit. All right. It looks like we only have one left as I step out of the carriage. Guys, I know you know me. I'm about to explode. (laughs) I want to say something sarcastic. I want to say something snarky. I really just want to jump down these people's throats and I can't. (laughs) It's going to ruin Finch. It's, it's all right. Just get it all out right now. Yes, get it out now before we uh, encounter our next judge. I will say, you are kind of right. They are a bunch of sticks in the mud. No kidding. Rules. Hmm. Oh, off to Captain Gates' office. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> The four of you head to the castle within the Crimson Hold. Guards look at you confused as you roam the streets and alleys within the Crimson Hold with no Crimson Command markings, but none of them stop you. Eventually, you make it to the castle. The iron gates are open to a lush green courtyard. A heavy scent of flowers emanates into the surrounding air. You walk across the courtyard to the castle doors, which are also open, letting the cool, fresh air inside as it is winter. You tell a guard why you are there and you are escorted up multiple levels of a tower. He stops at a door and knocks for you. The nameplate on the door is High Captain Gate. The door opens, and you see High Captain Gate in uniform answer the door, and he says, Ah, you. Um, come in. I've been expecting you. I enter the room. Uh, the four of you enter, and uh, he goes and sits at his desk. There are only two chairs in front of his desk. Captain Gate, it's so wonderful to see you again. And I'm just going to take one of the chairs. I just stand there. I'll stand behind uh, Dorth. I'll do a little bow. And I'll look at the two of them and then inch my way to the other chair. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Follow me, Dorth. You sit in the chairs and Keth and Astro, you stand behind. All right. Let's get these pleasantries over with. Um, What is it that you wish to ask me? Just for your understanding and your open mind. It's as simple as that. Um, I think that I keep a quite an open mind. And it shows. It keeps you looking young. Again, let's skip with the pleasantries <laughs> and get down to the information at hand. I'm really trying hard here. <laughs> I remember when we first met. Oh, open the gate, you said. <laughs> In the good old days. When life used to be simple. I mean, for real, though. Well, Mr. High Captain Gate, you you obviously know why we're here. I do, yes. Um, Honestly, I don't think this would be happening if it wasn't for a specific thing that I got word of. And that was? Marshal Grindle's report in Chandelin. Ah, yes. (laughs) We all get our packets out. (laughs) Marshal Grindle's report. Real quick, remind me what that report was. Um, there's three counts against him uh, in Chandelin itself. Resisting arrest, assaulting an officer, and fleeing the scene of a crime against our allies. Ah, yes, 13. Uh, yes, and uh, what exactly did Marshal Grindle's report uh, say that leads to us speaking here now? Well, he sent me a report and then also requesting 900 gold pieces for wasted resources on capturing Flynn as he ran through the streets. Not fond of having to pay for something of such a nature. It's already been paid, but um, this is unexcusable for anyone in my command. 
is this the time you guys told us about when you chased the Spider-Man or something? Oh, yes, that's it. I don't quite understand in the report why Flynn thought it was wise to run from arrests instead of working with our allies within the city of Chandelin? Uh, Well, because we were being framed, first of all. So if you were being framed, and these are by our allies, and they probably have somewhat of a trust. I worked very well with Marshal Grindle for many years now, and I believe you would have been taken to him or one of the other marshals within the city. And if you would have explained your story properly... I believe you may have gotten away with out being arrested. Well, you have to understand, Captain Gate, there was a, a killer on the loose, as I was told. And yes, it could have been Flynn. Well, but but it wasn't. They found the real killer. And if it wasn't Flynn, then he should have worked with Chandelin instead of running away from them. Well, look at it. I was I personally was with Flynn. I uh, understand that from count 13C. During this encounter, let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> and the mindset that we were in was, uh, as I'm sure you're also very well aware, uh, there were some issues with Crimson Command members um, being murdered at outposts. Uh, the Crimson Keep in Chandelin had just been destroyed. Finch and myself had reason to believe that the culprit that we have been chasing, uh, a man by the name of Velmir, uh, who was also responsible for all of the happenings in Gamor. I've seen the name in the reports from Flynn. Uh, was the one attempting to frame Finch. So if he would have been captured, the murders would have stopped. We have reason to believe because that would implicate that Finch was the one doing them, imprisoning him and stopping him from proceeding on his quest to gather the orbs. I can't say that's the wisest decision I've ever heard. That was my idea, so. (laughs) And I am the wisest, so. (laughs) I'm quite disappointed. I believe if this charge is pulled up, pulled against Captain Cartwright, that's the only punishment with it would be to pay the price of the gold, plus some, some extra. This wouldn't put him in jail. This wouldn't get him any, any, any imprisonment. It would simply be a fine. That we would honestly just take out of his salary. He gets a salary? Paid? <laughs> <laughs> uh, may I, let me ask you this. I didn't uh, even get a bolo. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> uh, was there anything in your report that uh, described who the culprit actually was? Yes, I believe it ended up being a monstrosity disguised as Grant Quarter. Uh, yes, you could say disguised, um, but... It, it seems like this was some sort of monstrosity that was using Grant's body. And once we finally tracked down this creature, uh, the, the body of Grant Quarter was still attached to it. That is part of the report, yes. Yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you're not understanding is that even in a dire situation like that, the expectation is that the command would not cause issues with our allies. Yes, but from his perception, if I may, is that it was a member of the command causing this ruckus, and he was trying to apprehend him. That I understand, but I think you're just still not understanding that part of our code is to not resist arrest from our allies. If this was within Rodana or within Hanaria, I could see that potential 
of not trusting the officials of the city. But this is Shandalin. We've worked with Shandalin for 700 years. Yes, well, from Finchin's perspective, the Crimson Command was his allies. But as soon as we showed up to the Crimson Keep, we were attacked viciously. He was unaware of who to trust. If he couldn't trust the command itself, then why would he trust Shandalin? That's not what the Count's about. The Count is about the wasted resources because of his resisting arrest. Then we'll pay his fine, or you can take it out of his salary. And we'll squash that debt. If you wish to pay the fine, then yes, you can do that, and we won't even have to address that Count. Oh, sure, I'll pay it now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... (laughs) How much money did you give me? I'm using yours first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I got it. I got it right here. 367 gold pieces. Let me make sure I dock my. Did you say own. it was like 900 and something? Oh, I got. I got the rest. Well, let me see here. If you actually want to pay it now, uh, let me look at Marshall Grindle's report here. Uh, looks like it's going to be 900 plus. It's been three months since then, I believe. So another. It's going to be 990 gold pieces. Oh, certainly. Yep, one moment. I'll open my library. <laughs> you want my six silver? Just go ahead and get rid of my six silver. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got you. I already got I it. I don't want any money anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to keep six silver pieces. They're like doing a wake and mind right now. Like, all right, so I'm dipping into your funds. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, bro, sorry we haven't visited, but I'm taking all your money. <laughs> all right, sure. Here, here's the here's the total. Now, there was also the the attack on citizens within resisting this arrest. That one doesn't just go away. Didn't You didn't explain all that before he gave you the money. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, give me my money back. <laughs> what do you mean this doesn't solve everything? On citizens or an officer? Uh, it was part of the attack on an officer, is what I understand, is that an officer was attacked by a spell, and the citizens were affected by the spell. Uh, yeah, that was my doing, yes. Just your doing? Correct. I actually gave Finch fair warning, and he tried to stop me. I believe that as part of a team that he would have stopped you if you did something like that. I don't think that you were the sole person behind that. Well, I didn't really give him a chance, but sure. But whatever the case, this may also end up being prison time within Shandlin if this count goes against him. We will be sending... Flynn to Shandolin for his imprisonment. Well, hold on now. Can't we just prove that Finch or Flynn? Sorry, we're just so close. Can't we just prove that he doesn't have the ability to cast such a spell? How would you prove such a thing? I I guess I don't know. But what was the spell? Let me ask you. Um, is there spells that you can cast? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, could you tell me which ones you can cast? And which ones you can't? Well, I, I would have to know that a spell exists to know that I can't cast it. Same. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know that you could prove that he doesn't have the ability to cast such spells. Scrolls are a thing. He could have had a scroll. But what it sounds like is... I mean, I'm confessing to doing it. Yes, he's admitting to doing it himself. I certainly casted the spell. I can do it again now. You want to see? <laughs> <laughs> So all of that being said, how how does this fall onto Flynn again? Uh, this is his team, right? Well, you're, I thought you guys were his team. You're a unit. Well, we're he, friends. He chose so... you for his adventure to get the orbs. Well, he didn't choose us. I mean, we're we kind of just fell in together. We didn't. He didn't recruit us or anything. We're actual like real. Keep it down. 
give a down door. <laughs> Part of the mission assignment was that I allowed him to take you with him. This is news to me. Oh, this is no, absolutely true. It was against protocol, but he trusted you. So you were his unit, almost like a mercenary group. Well, why weren't we getting paid this whole time? Like, I have a plethora of questions now. Like, so I've been working for the Crimson Command this whole time? You've been working for the Crimson Command, yes. And you didn't come to one of my shows? <laughs> Some unit. Where's our badges? <laughs> yeah. You're not a part of the Crimson Command. I want a cool cape. You are being used by the Crimson Command. Mm, wow. Used. <laughs> You know what, let's just keep uh, moving along here. Uh, any other glaring concerns in the indictment that you have uh, anything to say about? According to Ezro... <laughs> I'm sorry. According to Scout Ezro, uh, Captain Cartwright was very well aware of the order to report back to Gamor, and he instead strayed on the mission. Yeah, that one's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, he, he did that. <laughs> <laughs> what count? Uh, I think this is uh, 14. So that one um, is quite a disappointment, as they were my orders specifically. Although if it's any consolation, uh, we disobeying those orders did lead Finch to retrieve and keep out. Keep Did leave Finch to retrieve the last orb, which kept it out of the hands of the bad guys. I can't say that that is a consolation. Really? It is not. So you're okay with Velmir having the orbs? Are you saying that he would have gotten the orb no matter what without Finch's powers unlocking them? Probably. I don't know. Who's to say? He was there waiting on us when we got there. Based on the reports I've received from Captain Cartwright is that the orbs will defend themselves unless he touches them. So him retrieving it instead of following orders honestly puts the orb in more danger. Well, you've had that report for a while now, haven't you? Which report? That if Finch, the, that the orbs will defend themselves unless Finch touches them. Correct. Yet you sent him on a mission to gather all four orbs. He says that he's had a calling, and I believed it. And now you don't? No, I still believe it. But the timing of collecting the orb, based on my orders, outweighs itself. Look, I, as I said, I'm not denying the fact that he disobeyed those orders. But he took your previous orders in higher regard, and that's why he decided to go after them. Yes, and as the Count says, I, I would not say that Captain Cartwright continued his quest for power. I, I would say that he was simply following your previous orders and keeping the the role of Asus now protected. I will say that the quest for power lingo that High Inquisitor Draskow has put in this indictment is quite unnerving. I would never have thought that this quest for the orbs for Finch was over power. I wait for the trial for High Inquisitor Draskal to touch on that one further. Oh, do you, are, do you have reason to believe that he is true with these allegations? I don't necessarily believe that he has, that they're true, but I, as you said, am willing to keep an open mind. Thank you. It's all that we could ask. I've never thought of it that way. I had sort of a bias towards Cartwright for quite a while. But if he has been collecting these orbs for the sake of power, this will shift my opinion. Yes, I'm curious to see how this High Inquisitor is going to spin that story myself. Before you continue, what, what sense would it make for Finch to gather the four orbs if he were to be gathering them for power and then turn himself in and relinquish the orbs to you? 
I don't know how the orbs work to answer that. Well, to be completely honest, neither do we. It's kind of a mystery. But wouldn't he just go do the thing that you're accused or he's being accused of trying to do? Then turn up here? As I said, I would never have believed that. And it does not make sense to me. But that's what the High Inquisitor's indictment says. Hmm. I can't answer to it. But I do wait to find out how he does explain himself on that lingo. As do I. Yes. Well, um, are, is there anything further that you can speak to? <sighs> it's not one I really wanted to speak to. <laughs> Everybody mm. cringes in <laughs> anticipation. And I don't necessarily blame, well, I did not blame Captain Cartwright for it until the autopsy came back. In High Inquisitor Draskal's autopsy, he does appear that my son was shot in the back. Uh, yes, I believe that uh, is my responsibility. The two shots in the back? Those were fired from my hand, yes. Well, you're not part of the command. You have no oath or code that you've owned, that you've owned to, that I'm aware of, that would hold you against those. But if it is true, it is still murder, and you will be next on my trial list. Do you wish to take back this confession? I do not. All right. I think we're done here. Thank you for your time. Un until we meet again, sir. The four of you head down lower beneath the Crimson Hold. A guard escorts you through hallways of cells where men look at you from their barred windows on their doors curiously. And then a guard standing outside of a cell opens the door as the four of you walk in and see Finch on the ground, shackled to the wall by his ankles. The guard closes the door behind and you can see the back of his head at the window. God, I hate to see him like this. Friends! <laughs> oh! He's still staring at the wall. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. oh, no, he's it's talking really to It's really getting himself. to him. <laughs> Friends! <laughs> We're over here. I'm talking like a wooden spoon and fork. <laughs> oh, Doroth, you're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to the uh, the magic mouth shit pail. <laughs> It's only been like three days. <laughs> Finch, how, how are you? Are, are you okay? Are they treating you okay? Uh, yeah, I'm uh. As I stand up. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing okay. I've been, I don't know, trying to do some push-ups, stay a little active. But man, these shackles, and then I'll kind of like point at my ankles that are like missing skin now. They're they're kind of rubbing me raw. So I'm kind of not moving in here as much as I was in the beginning. It's understandable. Are, are, are they feeding you? Look at his face. They're not feeding him. <laughs> uh, they fed me a little bit. Uh, I saw Draskow. I, he made, I watched Draskow eat, and it was more than I've been fed the past three days. But, yeah, they're feeding me. Wait, you, you watched him eat? Yeah, he came and had people set a table and a meal right there in the middle of the room. And then he sat there and ate it and questioned me until he was finished eating. And then... He left. 
What a dick. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I bit my tongue. I, I don't I don't want to show him that he gets under my skin at all. I try to stay as stone cold as I can around him. Wait, what what did he ask you? Um Well he was asking about the about about the library. Um why we were there, what happened, uh, all the destruction. Uh I I tried to tell him about the collector, you know, uh and that there was already dead people there when we got there and about Velmere and the trap. Uh, I did. I tried to explain your mystic form a little bit, Keth, uh, to try and allude to why the town was as devastated as it was. Mm, I'm just going to kind of grunt a little bit. You know, hey, I, I told him that the, the Book of Orin is the thing and that that is why we were there and that we do have it. It was mainly uh, more or less explaining the whole plan as to why we were going there in the first place, which really encompasses our whole, you know, adventure and journey here. And uh, Rokar came in after him, actually gave me some real food, which I appreciated. He did not seem happy with me, but it was still nice to see him uh, alive and well. Uh, but he seemed very concerned about the uh, the torture indictments that are on me. I will say I don't really know that there's much I can do to defend those either. And I, I told him as much. Wait, what do you mean those? The, uh, and Yen with the, uh, oh yeah, well, I, you know, he didn't exactly, uh, the scenario, I guess, that he was bringing up wasn't the one that I began speaking of, uh. Oh no, Finch. Yeah, he was asking about the, uh, the arrow and the guy on the bridge, and I thought he was talking about the, uh, the black market that, that you and I were in Dorothy. They didn't even know about that one, Finch. It's not in the indictment. Yeah, I didn't quite realize it at the time. Um, Rogue Car is aware. And it seems like you shared quite a bit of information with this High Inquisitor. Well, uh, you know, that's part of the reason why we're here, in my opinion, and part of the reason why I wanted to be here. Uh, this isn't a, I don't think this is the time to hide anything. This is the time to tell the truth and. Ask for a call to arms. You know, people aren't going to believe us if they find out that we're hiding anything or that we're trying to cover tracks and lie. So I'm just, uh, I'm trying to take the straight and narrow path here. I don't know, Finch. It's just so frustrating, like, talking to these people and listening to the way they twist our whole lives around. It, I, I can't listen to it. And just the way they, they just assume that you're some kind of power-hungry deviant or something. Like, it, none of it is true. It just... Burns me up inside. I see that. I see it on your face. I see it in your shoulders. I appreciate it. I just don't see why we have to play nice with these people. Yeah. Um. Maybe we don't got to play nice, but I think we got to play fair. This doesn't seem too fair to me. Yes. I mean, honestly, at this point, uh, some of the charges that they do have you on, abandoning your post, impersonating officers, all of those, they happened. We can't really... That's not up for dispute, honestly. But they say that you abandoned Ezro. That's that's untrue. We saved Ezro. It's even in the in the indictment. I'm hoping uh, things of that nature can come to light in a better way in the trial. Uh, between Ezro and myself explaining the situation, I I, I struggle with that with that count as well. I, I don't I don't think that one's quite fair. Yes, I think at this point all we can do is be truthful say that we've had a, an ultimate goal in mind of trying to save Asus. And it's always been about the greater good, you know. Um, sometimes getting to the greater good is not easy, that's for sure. 
It should be fair. You don't deserve this, Finch. Well, we've spoken with all of the, the judges today and gathered their most pressing concerns, if you will. So you, you, you spoke with Captain Gate? We did. I haven't, uh, I haven't spoken to him yet. His son, what did he say? About that. Uh, he was a bit concerned uh, about the whole situation, as one could expect. Well, he did say that he was willing to forgive Finch and was understanding. But there, there is something you should know. Um, so, Felomir may have confessed to murder. Oh, yes. Well, he was concerned with the, the, the wounds, the, the fatal wounds of uh, Chadwick, where he was shot in the back. And I said, oh, yes, that was me. And it was. Well, I guess I can't deny you the final blow, but we did both fire. Yes, but on the charge, you are being charged for firing at an enemy's back while turned away, which is the whole reason for the charge other than the murder. Yes, However, apparently you should be ha- you should have had Ebola or something <laughs> to throw, but uh, that's just what Rokar said. Either way, as Felmir isn't a Crimson Command Order member, he wouldn't be charged with that. He might be charged for murder. However, we do have self-defense. I'm, I'm just, as you said, I'm just trying to be fair and honest, and that's the truth. The truth shall set us free. Or kill us, but who knows? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how you define free. <laughs> Depends on how you define truth. <laughs> but yes, I, we spoke with everyone, all the judges, gathered their concerns, and I guess we're going to go attempt to build a case at this point. See if we can track down some witnesses. Oh, we did get one of the charges dropped because we paid the fine. Well, fellow man paid the fine. And, um, and you. You paid most of it. But. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes. I trust you guys. I know, I know you're out there... Uh, Doing the hard work right now, so. Well, it looks like we have a long few weeks ahead of us. So I guess we should try to build what case we can, based on the truth. Of course, yeah. Well, perhaps Balulabub or Chismrism will make an appearance. It would anyone that we can think of that likes me, I guess, huh? Something along those lines. We've got a few people in mind. I imagine uh, Chismrism showing up like uh, in the mummy, how he was like a pillar of sand with a face. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Yeah, he's too busy at the school of plate learning right now, so he's just going to remote it. (laughs) I was thinking more of a Willy Wonka, like he kind of walks in with the cane and then does like a a somersault. (laughs) (laughs) But let's be real, he's just going to use the chaos portal to get there. Yeah. Okay. Do a cartwheel out of it. Well, you guys know where I'll be if you need me. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll visit. Try not to go crazy in here and I'll kind of like <laughs> nudge him on the shoulder. Uh, I'm, I'm doing my best to keep myself sane, uh, keeping track of the days over here on the wall. I want to have like, I want to have the wrong three, amount of days. Three tallies? <laughs> yeah, we'll just go with three, sure, why not? Yes, it has been three days. So far, so good. <laughs> All right, so the four of you exit out of his cell. The guard closes the door behind you, and you are escorted out of the jail and out of the hold. The four of you get back to your home later that night. Kurgle has been prepping dinner for you. It is an orc dish. 
and you find a table of prepped ingredients. There's a plate that has a stack of large circular crackers, a bowl of chopped green and purple onions, a larger bowl of shredded pork, freshly cut sliced tomatoes, potatoes that have also been sliced and fried, and then ground up peanuts along with a bowl of this white sauce. Oh, hey guys, I made gold glog tonight. It smells delicious. Am I supposed to be excited or how should I feel right now? This is one of my favorite dishes. Amazing! <laughs> you really outdid yourself, Kurgle. It looks amazing. Mmm. <laughs> See what you're going to do. I don't know if you've ever had it before. I know Keth has. But you're going to take some of this bread, and you're going to put it on a plate, and then you're going to top it with whatever you like. I like to start with the tomatoes, and then some potatoes, and then some sauce and peanuts, and then some onions, and then some pork, and then more sauce and peanuts. I guess it's a cultural thing. Yeah, see, I like to do it. I get the bread, and then I put the meat on the bread, and then I put the peanuts on the meat, and then I put the tomatoes on the top, and then I put more meat on the top, <laughs> and then I put another piece of bread on the top. What about the potatoes? And the onions? Oh, I eat those on the side. Ah. <laughs> well, it looks wonderful. <laughs> I guess there's no wrong way to eat a goglog. Goglog. <laughs> it's called goglog. Called glog. I'm going to go to the table and start eating. <laughs> About that case, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we... I don't know. How, how does this work? Do we have to pick one of us to, to speak? Or do we all just get to go up there and speak our hearts? It would probably be best if we had a, someone taking the lead. A spokesperson, if you will. Hmm. A bit more concise that way. Who could we choose? <laughs> someone, someone studious. Likeable, a good note taker. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I wouldn't mind speaking on behalf of the defense for Flynn Finch Cartwright. Ah, yes, the fated. Yes, that is probably a good idea. I feel like I would just incriminate myself at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're probably the most likable out of all of us. I wouldn't say that, but. Thank you, Kath. Sure, I could prepare for some words and, you know, gather all of my notes and word them in our favor. And don't forget to razzle-dazzle on them. <laughs> <laughs> they always like that. The courtroom begins to fill up with Crimson Command. The gallery is filled with an assortment of ranks in the command. The four of you, with Kurgle, walk in. You find your place at the defense counsel's table while Kurgle finds a place in the audience. A low murmur of the gallery vibrates in this large court chamber. The walls are decorated with statues of the previous high captains, including a familiar carving of Christoph Morningrise that you recognize from the Universal Library. You turn to look who all has entered into the courtroom as people filter inside. A larger, grotesque man shows up, and you recognize him as Buka from Port Griesel. He wears a more formal attire, something a lot like what Governor Foyston used to wear. Another familiar face to you, Felomir, is Marshal Grendel of the Chandelin Sentinels. He's in formal attire, not armor, and he takes a seat somewhere amongst the crowd. You then see Caitlin, Samuel, and Fasush from Yen walk in and take a seat near the back together. 
Seeing this, you think there could be others amongst the crowd that you have missed, but there are nearly 400 people in the gallery to watch these unprecedented proceedings against Captain Flynn Finch Cartwright. That's when High Inquisitor Draskal walks in. With him is the young cadet that brought him parchment when Draskal visited Finch in the jail, and Inquisitor Josiah Angler, who brought you the indictment. They take a seat at the prosecution's table. The gallery goes quiet abruptly as low rumbling march of plate armor echoes in the hallway. The double doors of the courtroom are pushed wide open as eight Crimson Command knights file into the chamber and post up at their assigned positions in the chamber. These are the only people allowed to have weapons in the chamber. Across the room on an elevated platform, a single door opens up. In a line out the door, the five judges walk out and stand at their seats. High Captain Gate then yells out in the chamber, All rise for the king. On a balcony above the judges, a regal middle-aged man walks out onto the balcony. Without addressing the crowd, he sits, and then everyone else begins to sit down. That's when a door on the right side is opened. Two command guards walk a shackled at the feet and shackled at the wrist Finch out onto the courtroom floor. He is brought to the gallery side center and chained to a podium with small walls around it. He sits on the bench within the podium. The month in the cell has not been kind to him. He is in tattered linens. His hair and beard are distraught. There are no marks of blood or anything, meaning he has not been hit by his imprisoners. After Finch is put in his position and the guards leave, mages of the wizard's rainbow file into the chamber from the same door. Four of them. They walk to a table which is judge's side center, each holding something in both hands covered in silk. They place the objects on the table, remove the silk, and walk out the door they came. Sitting on the table, each on a small wooden stand, are the four orbs. This is when High Inquisitor Draskal stands. He walks to Finch's left side. His stance is powerful. Straight back, high neck, shoulders back. His face is mostly solemn, but his sharp, dark eyebrows keep a stern and angry look. His robe on each side of his thighs and the slacks beneath are tucked into a polished pair of brown leather boots. His hands are tucked into the opposite sleeves, and he stands there facing the Judiciary Council, turns his chin to his shoulder, and makes eye contact with you, Finch. The eyes are piercing, not welcoming. And this is whenever you hear a creak across the crowd that echoes through the chamber. You turn and you look and you see the two double doors that have been closed to the chamber have now opened. And stealthing in, as sly as he can be, is Jiminy. Oh, sorry. I'll just... I'll just sit over here. And he finds a seat in the very back. I'm just going to make eye contact with him and just like slightly turn my head in confusion. <laughs> Did we call you to do what? Draskal then turns back to the judges. In my investigation following the movements of Master Scout Flynn Finch Cartwright, I have found that his actions are indeed questionable. His initiation was against protocol. His performance has seen some positive outcomes with the places he visits, but I question if the company he keeps who are not command, have led him to acts of vigilantism. Today I will tell you of the chaos he and his companions have left in their wake in three corners of Asus, from River's End to Loran to Chandelin. Is this man good for the command? Does he bring balance to the people of Asus? Whether his actions are for his own benefit or accidental to the people, today I will prove that Master Scout Flynn Finch Cartwright does not put Asus in the name of balance first, but has instead ventured on a long quest to gather power from Remora's orbs, a blessing that our leader Christoph Morningrise, guardian of law, helped bring us. We, the Crimson Command, must bring order to those that wish to do us harm. 
and if you had seen the destruction he brings to places like the Temple of Hanet in Dulwood, Port Griesel in Laron, and the Crimson Keep of Chandelin, I think you will agree that he is against everything we stand for. Draskal then walks with purpose back to the prosecution table and takes a seat leaning back in his chair. There is a moment of silence before the four of you realize that the entire courtroom has turned their eyes on you. If you would, please join me in the carriage. Absolutely. We appreciate your time. Who is this? You haven't found out yet. <laughs> and your uh, name is? <laughs> <laughs> the four of you follow her into the carriage, and the carriage starts to move. Well, you have to... Un- <clears throat> Sorry. Well, you have to under... Jesus. <laughs> <clears throat> That'll be a blooper. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to... Un- <laughs> Jeez. Oh my God! <laughs> In High Inquisitor Draskal's autopsy, he does appear that my son was shot in the back. Yes, by me. <laughs> Are you saying that? Yes. You might want to say that a different. By way. me. <laughs> I can't. Say, I can't say it the way you said me, that. One. It was very. Uh, it was me all along. I'll do it to you too. <laughs>